0: Uh, should BYU fans bring back the tradition of throwing tortillas on the field?
1: Tell that. them you're with Studio C. You'll get rid of it. I see action. Get down again!
0: Yes! <laughs> Pablo Francisco, Little Tortilla Boy. If you don't know...
2: This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from This Week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off... Here's the double coverage interview of the week.
0: Riley Nelson, he is the current radio analyst, along with Greg Rubel on the radio broadcast. Riley, welcome back to the show. How are you? It's been too long, fellas. Great to be with you. I'm doing great. Thanks. We cannot think of a better person to discuss the pantheon of great BYU quarterbacks with than you, my friend. In fact, we're discussing Mount Rushmore's of BYU quarterbacks' top 10 lists and more importantly, trying to figure out where Zach Wilson, with his very unique career, fits into that conversation. So, for you, where does Zach Wilson rank among the all-time BYU great quarterbacks?
3: I think that's a great descriptor is his unique career uh, because no one at BYU has had such a meteoric rise, right? Going from someone who battling injuries and facing questions. Uh, about being, you know, the the leader of the team to being not only the unquestioned leader, having one of the great single seasons uh, of of any BYU quarterback, and of course uh, ending up getting drafted where he's drafted. Here's one thing I'll say uh, to you, though, Spencer is you're as right now i'm still straddling between you know being a broadcaster and a media member and an ex player so you're not going to get a, you're not going to get a number out of me because i don't know if you've tried with ranking your friends but when you rank your friends, they don't always answer your checks. You, you, you don't get to go golfing with them all the time because no matter how skillful you are at ranking, um, you know someone's going to take take uh, objection an objection with where you've ranked them. So, but I will t- I will tell you this at least as far as uh, some my philosophy around ranking is one I think ranking across eras is so incredibly hard and when I look at BYU quarterbacks you have your trailblazers right these are your Virgil Carters and I would even put you know Giff and Mark Wilson then you've got the ones who rose to prominence in the decade of the 80s that started with McMahon and Steve Young and Robbie Bosco and you've got those then you've got you know it's it's really hard when you look at when you're ranking to uh we only have one Heisman Trophy winner. So Ty Detmer, you know, has a distinction. While there are many All-Americans and many other All-Conference and great players in NFL and draft picks, there's only one Heisman. So, you know, Ty Detmer stands alone. And that, And then as you go from there, you've got guys who put together great careers. A guy like Max Hall, who... Uh, you know, leads the, he's the all time leader in wins, right? He won more games as a starting quarterback than any other quarterback. You got John Beck, who, even though they were different, you know, success levels of seat, played in four different seasons, too. You've got your one season, you know, these people that had these crazy one season uh, performances, whether it's Sarkeesian with 14 and 1 and that team, or Brandon Doman and the magic that he was able to share with Luke Staley or Zach Wilson. And then you've got your guys like Taysom Hill, who just, I, he was. He stands alone as far as his skill set. I don't know that we'll ever see another player exactly like him. So to take all those different factors, all those different eras, all those different skill sets, and put him in a definitive ranking, like I, I will yield and call that an, an <laughs> unaccomplishable task. And so uh, that, there's my answer on that. But going back to Zach Wilson, there's my philosophy. Going back to Zach Wilson, he, sure, he surely ranks among the top. I mean, uh, if – I know we've had some crazy production years. When you look at some of the numbers that some of the guys put up, especially in the eighties and early nineties and Ty Detmer, uh, he, he wasn't in, in that stratosphere, you know, he ended up with his touchdown interception ratio. And those things were absolutely, absolutely elite, but they weren't things we hadn't seen before at BYU. Um, But, The way in which he did it, some of the throws that he made, you know, the cross body, the off platform, the pushing the ball down the field, making the big, the ball being in the air for 60 plus yards. Some of the ways that he did it, I would, you know, I would be bold enough to say we didn't see anybody else do it that way. We saw the same end result, but the manner in which he didn't. He, you know, he was very unique. So uh, for that alone, and given the fact that it was an 11-1 and they ended up ranked very highly, um, his team had success. It wasn't just individual success. You know, he secured his place among the top.
1: What you just said reminded me of the play at Hawaii where you're almost falling down, you bounce off one defender, you're stumbling, you throw to Co- Cody Hoffman touchdown. it's touchdown. Know, you're just avoiding the rush, avoiding the need to make the list, getting the pass off. It was fantastic. That was great. I totally get that because golf is awesome. Okay, we were talking about Zach Wilson, and I made the argument that he should be as high as four, and here's why. Profit in your own land thing. You love a dead, you love a dead profit more than a living profit, in this case quarterback sometimes. What he did in 2020 was really special. I agree with most of what you said. What's different, Riley, to me is what Zach did in 2020 was one of the greatest single seasons we've ever seen, and that puts him really high. Obviously, number two pick is great. The efficiency is the thing that's going to stick out. He's number two career to tie, and he's number one in a single season by 20 points. Like What he did against a unique schedule was unbelievable and uh it just puts him way up there but it is hard because we were talking about it. it's like who do you put it over robbie bosco dude won the natty <laughs> you know uh gifford uh, nielsen mark way, wilson john beck max hall all these guys
3: uh, well and, and you bring up a point of the unique schedule and by the way you can never it is so hard when we're doing this and trying to be as objective as possible because you talk about the unique schedule well that's completely outside of zach's control not only was it and that, and by the way, it was completely outside the athletic department's control. It's not like BYU chose to play a schedule filled with the teams that they did fill. One of the things that's, that's hard, and you are right, like a, a living profit will never be as appreciated as much as a dead profit, but like – but Bosk, you think about the wins against Michigan. You think about the Cotton against Kansas State. You think like when you when you look back against those historical guys, they did it, and they now Zach had a great win against Tennessee, and he had a great win uh, against USC his junior year. But in this. You know, apex magical season, he just didn't have that opportunity to show out against a, a college football blue blood and pull off a great win. Detmer, Miami, right? Probably the single most revered and remembered game in, in the annals of BYU history. Uh, Zach just didn't have that opportunity. And, and so you can't necessarily knock him for that. Now, that said, having played the game, I can objectively tell you that when we were out there lining up against notre dame who was ranked number three or florida state who was ranked number eight or even texas who at the time you know was was they they weren't at their peak but they were still texas it is a different caliber of of athlete and therefore the the efficiency that you're able to generate because you say efficiency by 20 points you simply put them out there against a different caliber of athlete and i think it it might normalize it. But now we're getting into the world of hypotheticals. Here's what I will say. BYU is a tremendous academic at university. Someone up there in the stats department has to be able to figure this
1: out for us. <laughs> <laughs> Adjusted dot, 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 right? Yeah. <laughs> Amen
0: to that. Riley Nelson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, now we move on to discussing the current BYU quarterbacks. And according to Kalani Satake and his comments from earlier this week, it is a three-man race, really to nobody's surprise. It is Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, Jacob Conover. But I want to get your opinion on who of these three has the highest ceiling. Not necessarily who you think is going to start right now, Riley, but which of the three quarterbacks, in your opinion, has the highest ceiling right now in early June of 2021?
3: Yeah, I'll go back. There's a common uh, refrain. It's it's kind of in recruiting, and it's and it's throughout sports, but – It's that you you can't teach speed and um and in this case i'm not necessarily just talking like track speed or a 40 time or something like that but i am talking about the highest ceiling right not knowing what they've been working on we won't get to see that until the fall but just the fact that jaron hall has a little bit different genetic makeup than those other two guys as far as his ability to be able to rush the ball with his leg and be so effective with his legs you cannot coach that ability. You are either fast or you are not. You are either elusive or you are not. It doesn't matter how much you work on those skills. You, you can't develop them. So here's why I say that Jaron, in my opinion, potentially has the highest ceiling in that like that's God's gift to him, right? That's something he was born with. And then through his work ethic and through his diligence and his attention to his craft, he can develop himself into a, an equally better passer, as perhaps the two guys he's competing against. And then he will always have that advantage. Those other guys cannot work their way, develop their way, technique their way into being as fast, as elusive, as explosive, just simply because we're talking about a genetic component here. So for that reason, Jaron Hall giving you that true dual threat option. And by the way, not to say that Baylor, we've seen these guys. We saw Baylor. He was, he's plenty elusive Uh, he is mobile enough to get the job done, but I wouldn't, I I think while he's effective, I wouldn't cross him over into like a threat that needs to be accounted for on the defense. Jacob Conover, I know he's very athletic. I've seen the high school film. I'm sure he's going to be great at using his legs to be able to move within the pocket, extend plays, and even pick up first downs with his feet. It remains to be seen if at the college level, you know, he can rip off the type of explosive rushing plays that we've seen Jaron do. And we know that Jaron has, has the ability. So that for me, the fact that Jaron has genetic gifts that the other two don't gives him the edge potentially contingent upon him developing his craft as a thrower, as a passer, and all of the other elements that go into playing
1: quarterback. Take us back to the quarterback competition with Jake keeps, because this is what Jaron Hall and Baylor Romney and Jacob Conover are going through. Now there's a point where Jake is sort of anointed as the guy And you wisely said, you know what I'm going to do? I don't know if you said this, but to me it was like, I'm going to win over my teammates by doing everything I possibly can. You're playing special teams, running down on kickoffs uh, in practice and the whole deal. Is there anything any of these three guys can do like you did in that case to win over their team? Because, yes, it's about the team. But if I'm Baylor Romney, I'm like, listen, I'm trying to beat you two and be the starter.
3: Yeah. You know, all of those things The the conversation, it was funny. You said, you said, and the hypothetical was actually close, but how the conversation went was essentially like, Hey, we think Jake's the guy. And I, I mean, we, I wasn't dumb. I knew he had two years. He was two years behind me. Right. I was going into my junior year and he was a freshman. And so to me, that's like, all right, then I, no one said this to me, but it stands to reason that that means I'm going to spend the rest of my career holding the clipboard. And I was like, I'm not down for that. I want to find a way to get on the field. I, there was, of course, the contemplation of, uh, you know, trying another position, but I knew I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, even though I was a good runner at quarterback, that's more open field running. I didn't possess the skill set or something to do like a quarterback or, or play a slot receiver. Um, there was the defensive side of the ball where, I think, you know, playing in the defensive backfield, but at the time we had Craig Bills and Danny Sorensen back there, like two guys that were incredible players. Obviously, you know, Danny Sorensen is a Super Bowl champ, a starter on a Super Bowl champ team and I just I was like, I'm going to trade one backup position for another if I move. So what can I do? Maintain my spot in line at quarterback yet not waste away and still try and get on the field. Luckily, you know, between Coach Doman and Coach Menhall, they did allow those opportunities for me to participate on special teams, that was purely to just not waste away my days in the process. I I didn't have the foresight or it wasn't strategic for me as like, that was a move to win over my teammates, but in the process, because probably it was something unique that they hadn't seen before, they did appreciate like the effort, like, Hey, this guy, rather than, you know, he, he's the backup and we all we all are kind of okay with it, but rather like sit there and sulk and pout like, you know, like backups do at every position in every sport or have a tendency to do not all do that. This guy's trying to contribute in some small way. You know, I made one tackle in, in the five games I played on special teams. I made one tackle. Other than that, it was just a lot of running and huffing and puffing for nothing, right? <laughs> so, I mean, that was the thing that – so going back to your question, what could Baylor do or what can, you know, Jake do or uh, or Jaren, you know, however it's shaken out at this time is at this point, keep in mind at that point, I had been told Jake was the clear, clear winner and, like, my fate was – you know, my fate was to be a backup. These guys are all still live in the competition. So, as it relates to now in the next few months, it is he you are working on your craft every waking moment. You are competing your butt off and uh, trying to position yourself as best you can because that opportunity to be the man is still out there for the three of them. Then, once that decision is made and kind of the orders it placed then find a way to contribute. For me, that was, you know, luckily I was athletic enough and was given the opportunity to go contribute on special teams. That opportunity might not be available for these other guys who aren't chosen to be the starter. And so they got to find ways to contribute otherwise, whether that's, you know, uh, maybe it's scout team, maybe it's uh, helping run meetings, maybe it's doing player run practices. But that is what I think endears you as a player at any position, at any spot in the depth chart to your teammates, is them seeing your dedication to contribute to the team in whatever form.
0: Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson with us. Riley, uh, I cannot wait for this quarterback battle to develop at BYU, and that means we're going to be talking to you a lot more about it, if you're okay with that.
3: Would love it. I'm super intrigued. i I got to be honest credit we've seen this at other positions we saw it with the draft class that just uh, happened but i'm super pleased with the quarterback depth with the with the quality and talent depth at the position of quarterback i think any one of these three guys whoever gets chosen we can be comfortable with and uh, it sure gives us a lot to talk about uh, leading up to the decision time
0: next level insight as always thanks riley appreciate it Riley Nelson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how.
2: Great stuff. Love Riley. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: Let's uh, just throw the question right out there, Jerem. As we look at the 2021 college football season and what BYU is going to face. Uh, Much has been said about these seven power five opponents for the Cougars. But when you compare it to a blue blood football program, national power like Clemson, where does it stack up? Uh, Jerem, is BYU scheduled this year harder than Clemson's who in their ACC format avoid a couple of usually tougher games.
1: Yeah, Miami and North Carolina are the uh, biggest challengers, it would seem, from year to year in the last couple of years. So it's interesting. When you look at both, um, you know, Boi won't play anybody as tough as Georgia, who's sixth in Bill Connolly's SP+. But you look at the rest of the schedule, okay, who else is in the top 20 for Clemson right? as of now? Nobody. nobody. Uh, BYU has Utah, Arizona State. USC all in the top 20. 17, 18, and 19. Arizona State's overrated in that, but anyway. Uh, Add in Boise State for the top 40. Okay, there's four. So top 50, Adwa, Zoo, Baylor barely out, uh, six in the top 51. Clemson has five in the top 50. So, yeah, on paper, I think BYU has a tougher schedule. Um, Ultimately, BYU's not going to finish as highly ranked as Clemson, obviously. They won't start Um, as highly ranked as Clemson either. But what we do... But what we do is we celebrate a schedule more than the actual games. So here we are <laughs> discussing this question in June as if it was a championship.
0: Well, I'm looking at—I uh, mean, Clemson's got UConn, BYU's got Idaho State. That's a wash. Okay,
1: so SC State is their <laughs> FCS opponent. <laughs> I, I'm but k- yeah, I'm yeah, kidding. yeah, yeah. UConn still independent, right? In football, I think so. I'm just question: about- Do they actually feel a football team? UConn do we know went this? to a
0: BCS game.
1: Well, Think about good. that. It was good to be in the Big East.
0: UConn went to a BCS game. Yeah. BYU did not. Yeah. What? Yeah. My, how uh, the it, it, Huskies have fallen in that regard. Got
1: to be in the right league at the right time.
0: But yes. I mean, based on just the consistency, the consistent toughness of BYU's schedule, I would say, yeah. I mean, Georgia's going to be an, an amazing game for Clemson to kick off the season. That opening that, week was incredible. Yeah. But, yeah, who else is really going to challenge Clemson, maybe a game at Louisville or at Pitt.
1: There's like, always a weird game, right? Two toughest no road challenges. Yeah.
0: I just, yeah, I, mean, I think the overall tough balance of BYU's schedule rates as a more difficult schedule than Clemson, which is wild, which I yeah. know you love so much. I, hey, BYU's got a NBA. tougher schedule than Clemson. Therefore, what? Is
1: here for it. Like, therefore what? You know, Boyd K. Boyd K. Packer apparently with uh, you know, the quorum of the 12 would sit there and sit, they'd discuss something and he'd say, therefore what? Which is a nice way and a formal way of saying, so what? Like, <laughs> so what? If BYU's schedule is harder than Clemson, so what? Who cares? I'm not
0: waiting for you to implement that for the rest of the show. The rest of,
1: therefore there, what? Therefore what? Like, he's basically saying, get to the point. Like, what's the point? Okay, okay BYU has a tougher schedule. Crickets. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, okay, yes, BYU plays a tougher schedule. I, I hate this. Like, I hate that we celebrate how tough a schedule is. How about you celebrate how you actually performed on the field more? I, I have an issue philosophically with this. I'm looking at
0: some of the numbers I'm on the Clemson side, too. South Carolina, 90. You're telling me Georgia Southern is a tougher opponent than Clemson playing their <laughs> rival at South Carolina? Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. SEC versus, you know, Georgia Southern. <laughs> what? And again, this is right now. Based on S&P Plus. And, and again, d- okay, does the schedule matter as much as your performance? No. Look at BYU's schedule last year. Not great. BYU had to do what it had to do. We all know that. We've talked about it many times. The way BYU played was the impressive part. Not just winning, but how BYU played within those wins was really impressive. Okay. Like, there were only, what, two games that were close. UTSA and Coastal Carolina. And Coastal Carolina.
0: Finished as a ranked BYU team. was
1: graded on a curve on that one. Nationally.
0: Because of the three days of preparation. Because
1: of what BYU chose to
0: do. And then the, the truck tracker happened. <laughs> yeah.
1: That was <laughs> that was like the bigger story almost. <laughs> like what was the bigger story? The truck, Zach Wilson getting roughed up at the end of the first half or the actual game? You know what I mean? Oh. Uh,
0: well, it was a great game yeah. too. It was a great game. Great
1: theater for sure. Somehow that was only on ESPNU. Probably because it was scheduled midweek. Yeah. We can't. We don't have any other That's, place to move it. Like game day went there. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, congratulate. Let's hang a banner. Schedule. We'll be to schedule BYU harder. BYU plays a tougher
0: schedule than Clemson in 2020.
1: Congratulations, everybody. We did yes. it. We won the ship. Yep. We got it done. It's literally the only thing BYU is going to do better than Clemson this year. Okay, we are we going go. to
0: follow BYU's Pac-12 record, by the way. Five, five Pac-12 opponents. Of course we will. If, if they win the Pac-12 South, we're hanging a banner.
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and if they win it outright, that will equal what Utah has done.
2: <laughs> The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B.
1: Okay, Shooter McJudkins, a.k.a. Jeff Judkins, needs to join the program just so often. We love love Jeff Judkins. Lots to talk about with him horses and summer workouts and Girl Dad Camp and Danny Ainge. And here's that conversation earlier today with Jeff on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Judy, how we doing? How's the summer going?
4: Summer's going great, Jeremy. It's, uh, it's ready to go. You know, hot. It's getting hot. Now the girls are back, ready to practice. Um, it's kind of dead there for a while, but now it's, it's, it's starting to live up a little bit, and we're excited for this season.
1: Okay, we'll talk about uh, the team, but there's a few things to go over with you and, and uh, you know, Girl Dad Camp, which I'm very excited about. I'm, I'm attending myself with my daughter, Venna in August. That'd be awesome. First, I, w- I want to point out to people something we've seen in your office. What's behind you is one of the greatest pieces of memorabilia I have ever seen in my life. The <laughs> top 50 NBA players, and it's signed by all of them, right?
4: Correct, correct. That's amazing! Correct. <laughs> Yeah, it's, there's, I think there's only been germ, I think there's 400 of them made. And so, um, I think I'm very fortunate to be able to have that. A, a really good friend gave it to me, knew how much it would mean to me to have it in my office. And, um, it's something that I, when recruits come in and, and, it, and people, anybody comes in and checks out BYU's office where I'm working, it's, they all, they always look at that and go, Hey, that's pretty cool. and I look at it, and I think of a lot of guys i played against in my career and, and uh, you know, played with. So it's, it's, it brings a lot of great memories.
1: How many buckets did you get on those guys?
4: <laughs> Not very many, or I'd be on that board one night. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I played with, with you know, Larry, and what, what a great player, and Adrian Dantley's on it. I played with him, and Dave Cowens, and John Ablicek. Um, you know, those are some of the guys that I played with. And Hold up. You played so, with Havlicek? I didn't think you were that well, old. Well, no, Havlicek retired right when I came. Mm. And Havlicek used to work out with us all the time. So, you know, he'd come and play, and play and practice when he retired. And so it was it was kind of fun to be able to do that, to be able to – he was kind of my idol when I was a young boy.
1: That's pretty cool. I, one of the iconic, uh, you know, plays in, in NBA history is – Havlicek steals the ball, you know, and he gives it to Koozie. and yeah, it's it's so good. Yeah,
4: yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Johnny Most was an in, funny guy, you know, you, his voice. You'd never picture how he looks with his <laughs> voice, and but you know, he he was a really diehard Celtic guy, and he loved basketball. He loved the players, and I think he showed a lot of enthusiasm when he when he announced. Okay,
1: obviously, uh, let's talk Celtics. Danny Ainge, uh, you know, retires uh, as as GM of the Celtics. What a run he had, including an NBA title, Executive of the Year in 08 and then 09. Uh, what are your thoughts on Danny Ainge and what he did with the Celtics?
4: Well, I, I think he really changed a lot of things and made the Celtics where they were when in the '80s and the '70s. Of course, when I got there, uh, the '70s they won a couple titles um, in the '70s and then. Um, my last year at the Celtics, we got into the Eastern Finals and ended up losing to Philadelphia. And then from that point on, Larry Bird and Kevin McHale and the gang, they just, they just took over and, and were so dominating. And then they had they had a little fall, and a lot of people don't realize they lost two of the first-round draft picks. They lost uh, Baez, who people say could have been one of the greatest players ever. And then uh, Richie, I'm trying to think, Rich, the guard, Richie, Richie, Richie Lewis. Luh- yeah, they remember he had some heart problems and mm-hmm. he passed away. He was a good player. So, Danny, Danny did a great job of getting that franchise turned around so quickly. And um, I think if they wouldn't have had some injuries here and there, he might have won a couple titles. Being, you know, being the GM, and of course he put the team with Kevin Garnett, and Paul Pierce, and and those guys together. That was that was a, a quite a really good team. And so. Um, you know, it's sad to see him not do it because you can always look at him and say, "Hey, he's part of BYU and he's part of everything." But I also understand he's been doing it for a long time. It's a lot of, a lot of stress, a lot of pressure, and uh, so I'm going to see if I can get him to come help us as maybe an ops or something.
1: <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> I, I'm hoping your budget's a little bigger uh, next year to uh, to accommodate. I, I, I
4: think I think I'll be able to get some money raised to maybe help pay him, maybe.
1: Also, Danny was quoted as saying, "I don't really want to work that hard, but I still want to have a job." So, you know, I we all aspire to that kind of level. Do you think you have uh, a good, uh, an equal to or better jump shot right now than Danny Ainge?
4: Boy, that would be that would be a good challenge. I would say it'd be really close. I don't know if he's shooting as much as and maybe as me. So I would say maybe I have a slight edge because I'm okay. shooting more. Than- He's more in a tie and a suit and in the office, maybe. But that would be a great challenge. I know we had some great battles in college when he was a freshman and I was a senior. And, uh, you know, it's. and then, of course, we, when, when we played in a couple, I played him in, in a pro-am a couple times. That was a lot of fun.
1: We're talking to Shooter McJudkins. He says he's a better shooter than Danny Ainge here on BOE Sports Nation. <laughs> how, how are the horses? And, and remind people, how many horses do you have?
4: I have six horses. Uh, I lost one this this winter, mm. so um, I didn't replace it. I think six enough. But that's something that I really enjoy I enjoy getting and riding, and, and just kind of getting away and letting things just kind of kind of go. I guess you know. And I've I've had a lot of a lot of players like you know that I've coached that, that enjoy doing it. In fact, you know, as we were talking, trying to get Andre Miller was going to come on today with me. But he must be doing something else. But he, he loves to do something, you know, ride horses.
1: Yeah, if Andre Miller was on BYU Sports Nation, that'd be a first. Uh, so we look forward to that. That'd be, that'd be awesome. Yeah. That'd be awesome.
4: Yeah, we'll work on that, Jeremy. We'll work yeah. on it.
1: Okay, uh, Girl Dad Camp, August 6th through the 8th. Uh, people can still sign up, I believe, BYUsportsCamps.com. This is the first year of this, the inaugural BYU Girl Dad Camp. I'm going with my eight-year-old daughter, Vena. I cannot wait. Tell people about what can we expect, and, and mainly me. I, I want to know what I've signed up for.
4: Well, I think, first of all, it's a great opportunity for a daughter and their father to be able to do something together and do something maybe not so much like camping or some other activities that, that fathers and daughters seem to get all the time. It's going to be a camp that they do several activities lot of fun games and different things to, I think, compete against each other, but also compete against some other fathers and daughters. Um, I think we're going to have the spiritual part of it where we're having um, a fireside. We're having some really, really good speakers. I'm not going to say who the speakers are because I want it to be a surprise, but um, we're going to do that. We're going to just have, you know, go and eat together, just do a lot of things together as a father and a daughter and I think it just gives a great opportunity for not just not just the, the father to be able to have time with his daughter, but for the daughter to be able to get to know their father probably in a lot of different ways. I can't wait to see the competition and see the competitiveness of what happens with, with these fathers. Um, I know I did one father and son camp with Coach majeris many, many years, and we had about 10 fathers to, hold their growing, hurt their knee, sprained <laughs> an ankle. It was it was pretty interesting, but this won't be as much like that. But I'm really excited about it. this. Is our first year, and um, we're doing it with uh, with Heather and um, and, Bill and Gene. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm I'm excited to get to know them too, and 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 just kind of put this thing together. We just really thought this would be a great opportunity for for a lot of people that are that are BYU fans who want to want to have a great camp.
1: Yeah, I cannot wait. August 6th through the 8th. Go to BoESportscamps.com for more information and to sign up. Okay, let's talk about the team. You guys have uh, summer workouts right now. Obviously a very talented team coming back uh, for your, your squad. What's it like right now as you try and build on what you did last year, which was get to the WCC title game. Gonzaga won on a buzzer beater. Crazy moment. You go to the NCAA tournament. You win a game. Uh, how can you get better? What are you up to with this group?
4: Well, you know, I th- I think we we scratched the surface last year, and of course, two years before that, we did. We beat we beat Auburn, then we ended up losing to to Stanford, and then and then, we, then we didn't do a year. We didn't go, which hurt. And then last year, um, really positive. I mean, I thought I thought we played well at the end, and um, the Arizona game was. You know, we played them as good as anybody. We did the best job on their guard thought Maria did an, did an outstanding defensive job on her. Um, but, you know, this this team's ready to go. I think we just – I think we want to – we definitely want to do better than we did last year, and we want to be able to win a conference championship outright. We want to do well in the tournament, and hopefully the NCAA tournament just realize that when you get there, you know, it's just a little bit – just a little bit, and you just work a little bit harder – and uh, things can really happen for you, like what it did for Arizona. Who knows? That could have been us. You know, we'd have beaten Arizona. We might be, could have beaten uh, Texas A&M and and done the same thing. So we got everybody back. Um, Two players uh, are not returning, um, but everybody else is back. And then we have six new, six new freshmen that are coming in that we uh, signed. And so, the challenge is going to be, Jeremy, the challenge is going to be I'm going to have 19 players to practice this year where in the past you have 13 to 15. So it's going to be a lot of organization trying to keep people busy, keep them going, and um, it'll be hard to keep a lot of people happy, that's for sure, but we'll have to look at it and just weigh what we're going to do with, with some of these freshmen.
1: Well, Ray, Melanie, and Lee will certainly be busy. We look forward to that. And uh, the next uh, <laughs> next time we chat, I really hope – you're on a horse, and then for the first time in your Sports Nation history, we can have a guest say, I'm on a horse.
4: And maybe you will go do that. We'll go do Sports Nation on a horse. How's that? Hey,
1: let's, that sounds great. Uh, seriously, that sounds okay. amazing.
4: Jody, yeah, bet- let's do it. Hey, I got him. It's up to you guys. I'm, let's I'm go. your corner now.
1: Okay, best of luck with summer workouts, and yeah. we'll see you at the uh, Girl Dad Camp. Uh, feels like it's just around the corner. It's about two months away, but uh, it's coming up, and again, sign up for that. Jeff, we appreciate yeah. the time.
4: Hey, thanks, and hey, you better be—you better get in shape.
1: That's not going to happen.
4: <laughs> All right, hey, see you guys. Have a, have a good day. It's
1: Jeff Judkins, who's trying to get me into shape unnecessarily on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Saddle first. You know why we show how. There's only one Jeff Judkins.
0: Get, get ready to ride horses with Juddy.
1: Love
2: it. That sounds great! <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday.
0: The Cougar Whip Round, presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problems.
1: LeBron James is going back to number six. Which BYU athlete do you want to go back to their BYU number in the program?
0: I kind of like Zach Wilson in number one, though I appreciate the context of him being the number two overall pick and wearing number two as a New York Jets quarterback I just think I'd like to see Zach wear number one in New York.
1: KVN wearing three would be fun okay it's 53 they can do single digits now if they're not in that position They just threw that out it's like whatever so I don't know I think Taysom Hill at seven is really nice it's a nod to his brother Dexter who passed away while he was at BYU. Because Taysom, uh, of course, were different.
0: Yeah, I like those. Yeah, Zach Wilson? Four. Kyle Van Noy? Let's go. All right, Jerem, Will BYU track and field star and sprinter Michael Bluth not only discover once again money in the banana stand, but use the BYU SN Karma to bring home a national championship in the 400 meters?
1: That'd be awesome. If he finished his top eight, I think that's pretty significant.
0: Because he's in the. I'm not, does the final only include eight racers?
1: I think it's more than eight. Or is it? Is no, it? I think
0: it's just eight lanes. Is it just eight? I think he's, he's already, already guaranteed first the score. I think he's already qualified as a first female American. There
1: you go. Him winning a Natty would be awesome. It'd be an upset too.
0: That that would be in the discuss- the discussion as the greatest manifestation of the BoA Sports Nation karma ever.
1: It'd be pretty good. Marriott Center's getting a new floor. Are you more excited about the floor or the new video board at Elias? It's also going. Up.
0: I you know what? I'm a sucker for a sweet video board screen. So uh, as much as I think a new floor is really cool, the fans and the people that watch the games are going to be more excited about the video board.
1: Video board. Yep.
0: Okay, Jeremy. This Twitter account. No Context College Football posted the following photo yesterday of a young BYU fan cheering for the Cougars with his Utah fan dad next to him with the sign that says, I have disowned my son. Jerem, one of our elite staff members, Hemahemuli, asked a really good question yesterday. Is that Jerem in the BYU sweatshirt?
1: Kind of looks like me, right? <laughs> uh, no, this is not me. This this screams ESPN two, aka the Deuce from '96 or '98. I was actually in the Utah student section for both those games because my uncle, devout BYU fan, Connell Wen, shout out to El Paso. Okay, got me tickets there while he was at the U.
0: That Utah hat. Looks like it's straight out of 1991. It might be even earlier
1: than 90s. Was the deuce doing its thing that early?
0: I don't know. I mean that that hat is throwing it back.
1: Well, this is Rice Eccles. Look at (laughs) look at the handle. So it had to be it had to be an even year. Okay, okay. We can break that down by the by the railing. I'm serious. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, my Settle stepdad down, Sherlock. My stepdad Bruce is a Ute. Uh-huh. Luckily, is a nice guy. Is that seven. Bruce? That is not Bruce. <laughs> I have disowned okay. my stepson. <laughs> he has not disowned me. Yeah.
2: <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio.
0: Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline is a longtime friend, former BYU defensive back star, a man who has spent several hours in studio. Be with us. His name is Brian Logan. b it's good to see you, man. What's up? What's going on? Hey, we're talking football on, schedules today. Are you, are you up for this? I'm so excited to be back. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'll take oh, that man. as a yes.
4: Hey, yes, yes, I'm ready.
0: 2021 loaded. Seven power fives, but as we just pointed out, maybe some of these power five teams, especially the ones that are coming to Provo, are not as talented as they have been in the past. Yet, there are just several brand names all over the schedule. So, Brian, is the 2021 BYU football schedule, after all is said and done, going to be the toughest that BYU football ever plays?
5: I don't think so, man. Um I, I think you know, as analysts and, and fans, we have to kind of remove the the P five, you know, um, I guess you know, hype when it, when it comes to certain schools. On paper, and sometimes even with the brand, schools look really appealing, and and you kind of get scared, like, oh man, you got Arizona and Arizona State and all these different types of schools. But at the end of the day, like Arizona really sucks. You know like like they, like I mean I'm not concerned it's about It's true they're like, not like, good. Like, yeah, I mean they they're not and you know when you look at the the history of BYU football and you know just the, the, the schedules obviously you know the the first couple of games are always P5 teams. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but for the most part I mean BYU can hang with those types of of, of teams, right? Especially if they're mid-tier to you know bottom level of of their conference i mean byu is winning those games you know what i mean we're winning those games so i see a lot of those types of teams on this schedule and and so i I don't really you know think it's going to be the hardest um i I think byu you know depending on injuries all comes down to injuries can can come away with a lot of wins
1: okay i absolutely agree with you and just looking at arizona year to year since 2015 two winning seasons and those two were seven and six both years. They're not. They're not a program that BYU can't handle. Obviously, in '08 in the Vegas Bowl, it's a different story. A, a less motivated BYU. Whatever. Arizona won. I, I actually hate that conversation about it. they weren't motivated. <laughs> Who cares? Arizona won. But BYU has won this game a bunch against Arizona. Okay, Utah always a tough game. Arizona State. Exp- that's going to be a good game. Ex- Arizona State is expected to be top twenty-five-ish. We'll see though. Um, <laughs> You know, Boise State and not a power five, but that's always a tough game. Baylor, I don't know what Baylor's going to be. I know they have Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos. I know they're a Big 12 and they sling it. Washington yeah, State, what are they going to be with Nick Rolovich in his second year? Virginia, like two years ago, Virginia was in the Orange Bowl, but they're, they're just okay, right? And then USC is always you know tough. You know it's what? manageable. Uh, you know,
5: look, look, tell you side, man. With, with, I don't know about Virginia. <laughs> and I'm not. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit biased with the boy, but I'm just okay. This is the best way I could, I could put this right. And, and and you, Bronco is not really the type to to put a certain emphasis on on a certain game, right? Um, however, I think you know behind closed doors, like this this one has to be circled on his calendar. Yes, you know what I mean. Of like course. think of think think about think about the love of your life, like this, like a girlfriend or something, like dumping you. And you get an opportunity to, you know, come back with a supermodel on your arm. Like, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen, man? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm about to do anything and everything in my power, stay up late, watch extra film. I'm going to lift weights, even though I'm not playing the game. I'm still going to lift weights. You know what I mean? Just to get my mindset ready, because I'm going to feel, you know, some type of way that you guys, you know, didn't want me anymore. So... I, I think that that's going to be a good one, you know, obviously. And and if it wasn't Bronco in the scenario, I would say, you know, just like what you say, Jerem, it's it's definitely manageable. That's another team that's usually, a, you know, a BYU football team or, or program can, you know,
0: can win. Brian Logan with us on BYU Sports Nation. Now, I like your comparison However, Broncos the one that broke up with BYU, technically speaking. So, yeah, with that in mind, <laughs> with that in mind, I know you want to talk fans and all that stuff, push them away. <laughs> like for whatever reason, he made the decision to go to Virginia. So whatever does, reason,
1: three million decision. Does Virginia. that decision,
0: <laughs> backed by three point two million dollars per year, give BYU added motivation to say, "Hey, we're better than when you left us"? What do you think about that dynamic going into the BYU Virginia game?
5: I I agree with you 100%. I mean, let's, okay, let's, let's put it back into, you know, let's put ourselves in, in Kalani's shoes, right? I'm thinking the same thing that, that that Broncos thinking. If I'm in his shoes, I'm thinking, okay, this man's going to want to come back hard, you know, guns are blazing. He's going to have his team focused. So, you know what? I, like, you know, you ain't going to get me this week. I'm about to turn it up a notch, too. And so, obviously, you know, Coaches do a really good job of keeping their, their teams even keeled throughout the week, trying to you know, keep their teams from certain distractions and, and storylines. But at the end of the day, when, they, when, the, when these coaches go home to their wives and to their families, look, I'm going to need an extra two hours, three hours of quiet time. I, got, I need to focus. This is, just give me a week, babe. One week. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, deep down in their hearts, you know, you have two competitive guys that understand these storylines. And I'm not saying that I don't want to compare the analogy to, to Shaq and Kobe. But, you know, when you when you look at the competitiveness, right. And, and when Kobe won that ring and he's like, hey, I got one more than Shaq. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of like that. You, you have this masculine energy and this competitive edge and fire that ultimately you want to come down to win. So I'm, I'm with you. especially. I think it goes both ways.
1: That'll be a fun matchup, although I think the NBA comps are Raul Neto and George Nyang for these two. But anyway, we can discuss that. <laughs> okay, um, walk us through. Obviously, we look at it a certain way. Fans look at it a certain way. Team looks at it a different way. Tom Homan may even look at it a different way. What's it like when you went into 09 and you knew, oh, man, we've got Oklahoma, we've got Florida State, we've got TCU and Utah. You didn't know until later. We have Oregon State, who was a ranked team at the time. What's it like as a player getting ready for a schedule like this?
5: You know'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, you know and, and this is this is like the furthest you know furthest away from a political answer that a, that athletes just say, because usually we we're, we're taught you know every game is the same, and it's just the next week up. Man, heck, no, no, no way, no way. When you look at certain, certain games and, and I would say certain schedules, but then more so you know, from a week-to-week you know, basis, you, you want to step your game up. I mean, you, you really get excited because of the brand that you're playing against. And I think that's what really motivates a lot of, a lot of players, right, is, is rising up to the challenge. That, that's, that's just who we are as athletes and competitors. And, and so I think that's, that's probably why when you look at the recruiting and obviously Kalani's done a good job, but that's, that schedule has got to be appealing to a lot of kids that are maybe on the fence, um, you know, with, with coming to a P5 school or coming to a, a team like like BYU. And, and so you get excited. You don't go to school. You don't do homework. You don't see your girlfriends. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, it, it takes you to a whole, you know, another level. And I'm excited for these guys because of, of the opportunity to travel. Um, the stadiums, obviously, you know, TV schedules and, and whatnot, and just overall the exposure, you know, e- even though I, we lost to, to Florida State, we don't, we don't, again, we don't talk about, I don't know if you guys remember, we don't talk about 2009 Florida State, but 2010 Florida State, I mean, even though we lost, right, just, just the venue and, and the brand growing up and watching those those teams play, that's something that I'm going to always, for, you know, remember. And not the, the exact, you know, play-by-play play or even the win or the loss, but just the, the atmosphere um, and the energy and the crowd and the stadium. All all of the, those things outside of, of being on the field is what you remember. And so you just get hyped and you just get extra juice. Brian Logan is on all BYU right. Sports
0: Nation. Let's talk about specifically... This BYU football team, and maybe most importantly, the starting quarterback position, because we learned from Kalani Satake yesterday, officially, it's down to a three-man race between Jaron Hall, Baylor Romney, and Jacob Conover. Brian, knowing what you know, having the conversations that you have, who do you think is going to be the guy that starts against that juggernaut Arizona that you have pointed out (laughs) in early September?
5: Arizona is Boo Boo Johnson. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna say that, man. Boo Boo. Anyway, uh, I would I would say Jaron. Um, Amen. I think he gives you the, the the best opportunity to to win. And what to me what what that what that is, is 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 it's like this it factor, right? And and we talked about it, you know, the whole time with with Zach. Something you can't really just put on, you know you can't label it yeah, as far as an athlete, if an athlete has it or not. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't think at this point I could say that, that, that Jaron has it as strong as, as Zach, but you know, you, you still see that, that burning, that desire. You see that the leadership, um, you see that the dedication, you hear stories of him putting extra work in and, and all those things, you know, as, a, as an athlete and just as an analyst, I got to say that's, you know, he's, he's got to win just because of the work ethic. Right. Um, and, and, as a player, even on the defensive side of the ball, whenever I saw my quarterbacks work hard, man, it did something to me because you know traditionally quarterbacks really aren 't as you know athletic right and and, and you know I know Jaron is, but at the same time the 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 assumption that comes with the quarterback position you kind of you know I almost want to say like okay, I want to step my game up i don't want to look bad or you know, I want to rise to the occasion. If we have a, a quarterback that can lead us to, to victories or put us in positions to win games, you know, I want to do everything that I can do. And, and so I think the leadership skills, um, being able to, to walk it like you talk it, you know, practice what you preach is, is kind of what I see. So I think, I think obviously, you know, first and foremost, that, that is, is what, you know, allows him to, to be in the league.
0: Brian, we need to talk football more often, specifically the defensive side. We can't do that today because we're out of time, but that just gives us reason to have you back on again soon. So get yourself ready to talk BYU football defense the next time we do this. I'm
5: I'm ready, man. And, and look, when Ben sent me the list of questions, I was like, "There's no way we're getting this." <laughs>
1: I talk, I talk hey, way too much. You're, you're in you're in Blaine status now. We prepped three questions. <laughs>
5: I, 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 I I was wondering why I got like ten questions. I was like, "What? The, don't they? Didn't I remember?" We're more prepared now. To and and shout, out to, shout out to Uncle B, man. Uh, I'm in competition with him right now. I see him at the gym. You Let's know, see he's the guns. See my arms a little bit. Hey, best wingman ever, Uncle B, at the gym. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> best wingman ever. Duly noted.
0: He he does many things well, We Brian. don't know what
1: that's like in a gym.
5: <laughs> oh, I forgot oh, I forgot you guys are, are married. Yeah. Hey, now. Come on. Come on.
0: <laughs> Brian, good to catch right. up with you, man. Let's talk again soon.
2: See you guys soon. How a good one. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation.
0: Seven power five opponents on the BYU football schedule. I believe that is the 197th time we've mentioned that in the last month. Maybe we've done more than that, but I lost count a while back.
1: It's a power five schedule.
0: Jerem, the point is BYU's schedule upcoming in 2021 on paper, looks very, very difficult and challenging, especially when you juxtapose it with what BYU had to cobble together in 2020. So my question now is, looking at 2021, because it is so loaded with talented opponents, is this 2021 season the toughest schedule BYU football has ever faced?
1: In a word, no. Uh- I've never said this is loaded with talented opponents, per se, right? Uh, Arizona is not a good team. They're not. Uh, Utah is a good team. Arizona State is expected to be better than they've been. South Florida is not good. Utah State is figuring it out, new head coach. Uh, Boise State, always good, always tough They've game. got
0: a new coach.
1: Baylor is uh, good, question mark. Uh, Washington State is good, question mark. Virginia is good, question mark. Okay. Idaho State, FCS. Georgia Southern, that's that's a, a team that has won some games. That's a game that BYU should go win uh, on the road. in Statesboro, Georgia. And then, of course, USC is USC. So, no, it's not, it's not the toughest. Um, we'll assess the toughest schedule in BYU history in a moment. But it it is, it is certainly tough. Um, the way I've tried to quantify and assess the schedule is just straight up like P5 opponents. There are other things involved. When the season ends, I like to look at things like, how many teams finished in the top 25? Mm -hmm. How many teams won at least eight games? How many teams won 10-plus games? What was the cumulative percentage of everybody so that we can uh, assess that against other years? Those things matter to me. But when I look up straight-up Power 5, the Power 5 thing you know, we should look at probably just like top forty, but okay. before the season, it's hard to know exactly who's going to shake out where. The Power Five thing is their backups are going to be better, uh, equal to or better in some cases against BYU. I feel like BYU's backups match up really well against the Arizona, Arizona states, and Washington states of the world. What I, about I, Baylor? I, and probably Baylor. Probably. I, I'm I'm not sure. Utah, and USC. That's where I go. Hmm. No, there's there is a lot. There is more talent there. That doesn't mean you're a better team, though. The best team is the team that executes on that day, has a good game plan. BYU has good coaches. BYU uh, overachieves uh, often because they have coaches who are doing uh, um, performing at a level higher than say maybe what they're getting paid. And the same with some of the players, right? Dax Milne, massive overachievement this last year. Zach Wilson, not expected to be a first round draft pick ends up being number 2 that kind of stuff that's what BYU has built itself on is we are going to maximize what we can do with this program in this situation
0: okay if 2021 is not the most difficult schedule and Jeremy and I are in agreement on this what is enter 1991 yep. senior season for Ty Detmer following his Heisman trophy campaign look at the slate BYU faced in 91 these are final AP rankings. Florida State opened the season number one. BYU faced them in Anaheim. Then the Cougars go on the road to UCLA, who finished in the top 20. Hard-fought game, lose by four. Then BYU has to go across the country and take on Joe Paterno's Penn State Nittany Lions. And they get blown out 33-7, only to come home and open up against the next best team in conference play, Air Force, and they get their first victory of the season. Ty Detmer, as a senior, was 1-3, in three, but he opened that campaign yeah. against four teams that finished in the AP Top 25, and it's not like it got easier at the end of the year with San Diego State, that incredible 52-52 tie. That was a very good team with Marshall Falk, BYU plays a top-10 team Iowa in the Holiday Bowl, and they finish in a 13-13
1: 90 90s Iowa. highlights alert. 90s highlights that alert. I love this. The schedule was
0: absolutely yes. bonkers.
1: I went to the UCLA game. That was my first game as a Cougar in the Rose Bowl, that was, or, or as a BYU fan. That was great. Okay, yeah, 91, so hard. So, most final AP top-25 teams BYU's ever faced in the okay. season. Okay. Five. Three in the top-10. Okay, second-highest cumulative opponent win percentage. Okay. 58%. That was a really tough overall slate. And you mentioned uh, why. I go 2004 as the next toughest ever because you play the national champions eventually, USC. Yep. Uh, three, uh, three in the top 12 of the final AP, including two of the top four because Utah has its Fiesta Bowl winning team mm-hmm. that year. Boise State ends up 12th. That is a really hard schedule. Yeah, Not to Notre mention Stanford.
0: Uh, and they're not even ranked teams, but just notable, yeah. those, like, Colorado teams. State
1: was really good, right, in, in that era. I go O three 3 as the next toughest. I just think John Beck, when he comes back from Michigan, it's just brutal. Yeah. He and Matt Berry are trying to get through this. Four power fives, number one uh, USC. AP national champ that year didn't play in the BCS title game, but AP gave them the national championship after they beat Michigan. Three AP final top uh, ranked 25 teams, right? And uh, one of the highest cumulative win percentages as well. When I look at the highest cumulative win percentage thing, it's really interesting. Can I read you some of the easiest Please schedules do. Please do. in BYU history? How about the fourth easiest by cumulative win percentage? 84. Okay. Fifth is a one. Okay. Sixth is 2011. Um, eighth is 2006. It's it's interesting. Where does 2020 rank? 2020 is 20th. Oh! So I have I have ranked since 72 because, I, honestly, I don't really care Pre 72, about the power five okay. and win percentage. So maybe 2020
0: is not as easy as some people are thinking
1: it was? Well, I mean, yes and no. Um, no power fives. That's just the second time since 72 B.O.I.'s done that. Like, there's, not a by reason, again. there's a reason you win 11. Um, like, 96 is, uh, you know, I hear by cumulative win percentage only. Again, that's one metric. It's not everything, but it's something. Um, the end of the season thing really matters. Um, you know, num- so 2013 is interesting because that's the only other season BYU has played seven Power Fives. So what happened? Uh, BYU had a sophomore Taysom Hill, Jamal Williams, and an incredible defense. And BYU took a sec to get that offense figured out with yep. Robert and I coming back. Ah, right.
0: The Virginia loss still hurts a lot.
1: Yes. Um, went at Texas was awesome. Um, You know, BYU plays seven Power Fives. They were spread out. Now, Notre Dame and Wisconsin are pretty good teams. Uh, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Washington all win nine games. Mm -hmm. So three of the last five are against Power Five, nine win teams. Mm -hmm. That's just all road or neutral. BYU does not get... Road wins against Power Five teams that win eight plus very often. The Tennessee win in 2019
0: was rare. Wisconsin in, in 2018, yes,
1: 18, which by the way, 2018 was really hard. That's tied for third most Power Fives in a season, and that's the fourth highest cumulative win percentage. Wow. The opponents. Tanner Mangum took the brunt of that at the beginning. Goes three and three and gets pulled, and Zach Wilson gets the easier part of that that sets up a 2019 season where BYU plays a really hard schedule but goes 7-6, and six, that was the precursor to 2020. Sometimes you need, you need to just learn something to get somewhere else, and that's okay. what happened with BYU football. Wow.
0: BYU has faced some really strict and stringent, tough, you choose the word you want to use, schedules. It's hard to know what BYU Will face until you can look after the fact. That's what makes this conversation right. so fun. Is we think we have an idea of what these opponents will be in 2021. Who knows? Maybe Baylor has this amazing breakout year. Maybe Nick Rolovich. Well, but maybe they suck. Washington State is like, oh, hey, they, they win nine or 10 games. They're feeling good in the Pac 12. Or to your point, maybe all these teams are just eh. And BYU besides, takes advantage because
1: Utah they have yeah.
0: at least half of their power five opponents at home, and four of the seven, either at a neutral site or at home.
1: BYU does not play a true road game until October 16th. Amazing. True road. Okay, Neutral Arizona is like a home game, honestly. Or split, right? Sure. Of course. And then at Utah State, Whew. which is can be a tough place to play. I don't think it's tough this year.
0: Our question of the day, is the 2021 BYU football schedule – the toughest in history? If not, which season is the toughest? Let's go to Voice of the Nation.
2: This is The Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Twiggy or Stone, friend of the program,
0: on Twitter answers If we are just basing this analysis on the number of Power Five teams, then yes. Yeah, we're not. But we're not, clearly. Yeah. I think it's really hard to look at it before the games happen and determine the strength of schedule. Again, that's what makes this conversation yeah. so intriguing and fun. In 1984, the win against Pitt looked amazing until they, Pittsburgh, started playing the rest of their schedule and
1: finished 3-7-1. Yeah, Pitt stunk in the 84. So, yeah, it, what I really love and something we've figured out in doing the show the last eight years is how did that team end up doing? Like, no one really looks at that. They just, hey, when BYU beat Oklahoma, they had the Heisman Trophy winner and were ranked third. Oklahoma, because they have to play Landry Jones as a freshman, goes 8-5. Yep. So, when, Oh, well, BYU beat Oklahoma and Notre Dame in 94. Neither of those teams won seven games. That was the time to beat them. And maybe why did BYU beat them? Because maybe they were down a little bit. Yes, BYU gets some great wins, but oftentimes that team is not as good as you thought. Oh, Wisconsin's ranked sixth, 2018. That was massive, right? It was massive. Wisconsin ends up going 8-5. and five. They were a preseason like college football playoff contender. They did not end up that kind of team. So catch them when you can, right? When BYU beats Miami in 90, that team finishes third. That is the greatest win in BYU Best history because Miami was ever. actually super legit. But so was BYU. In the top five for six weeks that year, BYU was legit as well and then crumbled at the end.
0: 1983, all of this conversation just makes me feel better and better about 83 being the best overall team that the Cougars have had because of what they did against teams when you look after the fact. Two road wins against teams that finished in
1: the top 20. Pretty good. 84 is like, how many losses did we have again?
2: (laughs) This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Michael
0: Bluth returning to the show, representing BYU track and field on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Michael, first and foremost, congratulations on another amazing season.
6: Thank you. Thank you. It's been a great season.
0: Uh, We would be remiss if we didn't start with this because we talked about it last time. You have to. Have you watched Arrested Development yet?
6: No, I, I Bro. have Bro, uh, <laughs> all
1: right. What, what? 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 Are you student athlete competing in nationals? What are you busy? You got, I mean, you got bigger and more important hey, things. Will Will you watch the pilot after the season?
6: I'll do it for you, thank Jim. You. I will. I will hey, sit down and watch the pilot. Thank
1: you. Commitment pattern.
6: It's on, on Net- display. It's on
1: Netflix. I know that you'll be blessed for this decision, Michael. It will be great. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you're at nationals. You're in Eugene. Um, competition starts. You know, tomorrow. Your your stuff starts Thursday, I believe. Tell us about the vibe, the energy. It all comes down to this. You guys have been competing all year for this.
6: Um, it's a great question. I. We're excited. Um, I, I can speak for myself and, and, and the men's team and the, and the women's team. We're all very excited to do as best we can. The goal is uh, podium, which is take top four. And I mean, I, that's ideal. That's optimal situation where, you know, everybody's got to perform to what we know that they can. We're obviously going to get some great points from Connor Mance and, and Cameron Bates. But there are a couple others that like if we can score and, and, and take top four, that would be just ecstatic. That'd be awesome.
0: The men's team spent the better part of the season, Michael, ranked in the top 10. This program has gone to an elite level, and we don't use that word lightly in Studio B. So what's made the difference this season and made it unique and special in that you were able to take the next step?
6: What's been the difference? Um, We've been drinking drinking the Kool-Aid that the the cross-country team kind of kind of gave us um coach Tyson did great with cross country and then you know we've we've all been rallying around some of those distance guys and, and some of our, our, the other field events that like our, our our pole vaulter Zach McCorder who I, I think he's on the show he has been an absolute stud and we have a couple other guys that like uh Colton Yardine Hurdles and Cameron Bates as well who have just been performing this year and you know the idea is do as well as we can and then lay it up next for next year. You know, there's some incoming guys who are going to be just as good, if not better, than some of us outgoing old guys. But it, it, it's, it's been exciting to see the growth and development of, of the team as it comes across.
1: Tell me about this, because you talked about it. Cross country, their success has led to increased motivation that, hey, we can do this on, in track as well, which has been awesome. And the track team's been good, just gone to another level, right? Like cross country is known as the distance running school. That's sort of the perception out there. Yet, you compete in the four hundred and the four by four hundred and the four by one hundred. So, there's some speed there. What's it like for you guys to sort of rep BYU in some of the faster events there?
6: It's it, it's been awesome. the The sprint events are you know heavily heavily stacked. Uh, I'm I'm running up against some some really really fast guys who are ranked in the world as. as the top top guys you know have, have posted some of the fastest times um and it it's it's about time that like you know maybe some of these this, the sprints or some of the fill events t- kind of like repped our ourselves out there with the distance guys they've been they've been pulling us along but yeah i mean we've we've been here ready to kind of do our part and and help hopefully bring home some sort of hardware some sort of hardware from from the national meet
1: have you ever recorded yourself in a 40-yard dash and if so what is it
6: not technically like I, 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 we, we, we've joked around, um, on the track with spikes kind of like running through, but I've never been on a field, put on cleats and actually run a 40 yard dash. Um, cause we, we, first off we're in meters. So yards to meters, we'd have to do some, we'd actually have to space it out with yards, but <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I'm the fastest 40 yard dash guy you've ever met. Some of those, those guys, what they posted this year in for the pro day, sheesh, those were, Lickety split, quick.
1: Yeah, we saw a four, three, one from Chris Wilcox. We saw a four, another four, three from uh, Mike Simon. So I, I'd, I'd love to see who the fastest is on the track team, just so we have kind of this comp with the football team at some point. That'd be, that'd be fun, right? Could we line that up at some point?
6: That would be awesome. Actually, I I know of a couple guys who would love to do that. I, I mean, <laughs> I'd be down. But I know I know specifically two: Colton Yardley, Down Draper Heising, could post up some really quick signs.
1: So uh, you know, some of your some of your teammates involved in the four by one, four by four, four hundred. Um, what what's it like for you as you go into some of these events? That there there's one event that you're going to do like 90 minutes later. Um, physically, what's that going to be like competing in those?
6: Well, um, I, I'd like to say I have I have the best coach of this side of the Mississippi, Kyle Grossars, and probably the best coach of that side of the Mississippi as well. But he he trains us for this. Um, our, we have workouts, and he has designed our kind of training phases to lead up to regionals and nationals. And it's all about, you know, staying in the moment, executing what you can do, and then kind of being present for, and kind of getting prepping up for the next race. I have, yeah, I think a 90 minute window, Colton Yardy, he's going to be doing the four hundred hurdles. He'll have like, I think an hour. And it's, you know, we got We got to do what we can in our race and then get ready for the next one, staying there kind of mentally and physically so that we can execute what we know we can. Um, in in a later race, which is the
0: 4x4 at night. I'm always fascinated about the emotions that go into a race, especially right before that pistol fires off and you go. What are you thinking about mentally, and is your heart racing? Are you going through, because you've done so many times, that you're even killed. What's happening in your mind and
6: emotionally at that moment? I would say... The, the ball of nerves for me at the regional meet came when I was sitting next to Bryce Dedman, who is 44-5 kind of guy. And I sat next to him and I kind of got a little bit nervous, but I, it, it kind of just takes over. I've, I've been doing this for many years. Um, I, I know what to expect. I know what to do. My body kind of just takes over. So we walk over to the start line. We, you set your blocks. You know, the officials are yelling at you to get your fingers off the line. Um, and it just, you know, we've done this so many times. It's, it's just muscle memory at that point. Every now and then you'll think of funny thoughts or so, but um, it it just takes over, the reps, and the gun goes off when they say on your mark. The gun goes off, and your body just takes over, and you run your race.
0: Michael, at some point before the race starts, maybe it's an hour before, a half an hour before, I just want you to think of the BYU Sports Nation karma because we're going to give it to you, and it's going to take you to that next level. So embrace the Gregorian right. chant in your ears right now. The karma is headed to you and Eugene, Oregon. I appreciate that. <laughs> and we can't wait to talk about arrested of development. But after the most important thing, and that's the races.
6: All if, right. We'll all right. Right. do.
1: If you win a natty, you need to cross the line and yell, there's money in the banana stand!
6: <laughs> <laughs> if I win a natty, I will... Absolutely do that, (laughs) Jerem. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks, Michael. Good luck to you.
2: We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. So, Jerem, this segment presented by
0: Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. Who makes our BYU all-time quarterback top 10 list? Who's number one on your list?
1: So I have Jim McMahon. Um, I, I think uh, Ty built off what kind of Jim started. I love Jim's 1980 in terms of efficiency, number one in BYU history and and. A gajillion touchdowns, first 4,000-yard season, blah, blah, blah. Okay, I have Jim first, then Ty. I can see a reasonable switch there, which you have, Ty and then Jim. So we have the top two, the same two dudes. Sure. We have the same number three, Steve. Again, I think that triumvirate uh, is, is pretty strong, those three. And again, we're talking BYU career only here, but it's hard not to have the perception of the NFL career too. If we're talking NFL career only, it's obviously Steve Young, but we're doing BYU here.
0: Yeah, for me, the reason I put Ty Detmer on the top Obviously, the Heisman Trophy plays a large part of this. I don't this. even
1: think you need to explain. 15,000 yards. Yes. All the touch All number of one those NCAA touchdowns. records yeah. that
0: Jim McMahon set, Ty yeah. Detmer crushed a decade later. But Ty, he did something that people often forget. He finished in the top 10 of the Heisman voting three seasons. In 1989, he finished ninth in the Heisman voting he threw for 4,500-plus yards as a sophomore, 32 touchdown passes. And that was good enough to get him in the top ten. That really launched him into 1990. So when BYU crushed UTEP to open up and then beat Miami, it was like, okay, this kid is the real deal. And he was like a hair over six feet tall, 175 pounds, and was just a warrior on the field.
1: Oh, my cup has been full for a while on Ty. Right. No, you don't have to just put Ty as the top. Again. I have Jim first, but I have Ty Okay, yeah. so I
0: got Ty in the gym. And yeah. then, as you said, Steve, number three. Yeah. Okay? Number four and five, we already talked we about talked this. We talked
1: about Zach and Robbie.
0: Okay, so I've got Robbie. you Factory
1: is, is Brazilian soccer players. All you have to do is say the first name, and Robbie. you know who we're talking about. Robbie and Zach. Robbie and Zach. Yes. You're next level, right? Okay, mm-hmm. number six. I have Mark Wilson. Six and seven, we have the same two dudes, but okay. different order. And Max Hall. Max Hall.
0: Yeah. Okay, so you go Max number six, all-time yep. winning as quarterback in BYU history. Yep. John Beck is my number eight. And Finds I, his guy. I think that plays a big part of like his heroics and the way he finished his BYU career. BYU destroys Oregon by 30 points in a bowl game. He's the second-round draft pick. Like, And, again, let's qualify this. This is what they did at BYU. So – this is not like, hey, we're throwing in their pro careers too. This is what right. they did at BYU.
1: For some guys, we don't want to throw the pro career. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it didn't work out as well.
0: Okay. So who do you have at number eight then?
1: I've got Gifford Nielsen. Uh, I've, I've got Giff, first team All American, BYU's first Heisman Trophy, candidate. college football Hall of Famer. Yeah. And and if Max Hall and John Beck play in like they switch spots, I think those guys are college football Hall of Famers. I really do. Mitch Harper sort of. Opened my vision into that era switch, and I thought, "Oh yeah, you're right." Then we have the same number ten, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill, like Riley said, uniquely situated in who he is and what he did. Running for what was it? You know, twenty five hundred yards or whatever. If Taysom Hill is fully healthy all four years, do you know what he is? He's probably number two total offense, and he's probably number one rushing in BYU history.
0: And he probably finds himself in New York. At a Heisman Trophy
1: finalist
0: presentation.
1: 2014, if they go undefeated, there's a chance. Yeah. There's a chance. Finalist means you're top three or four. Sure. So maybe, maybe, yeah. He would have been top ten that year for sure. Zach Wilson was top ten this year.
0: And that says a lot about Taysom. I mean, even dealing with all of his four season-ending injuries, he had the one season he went wire
1: to wire, his sophomore campaign. And he still— He put up— An incredible season. He
0: worked his way. Yes,
1: he almost had like the seventh season in NCAA history at the time of a three
0: thousand one thousand. Holy! (laughs)
1: Like he was literally fifty seven yards or something away in the bowl game.
0: He works his way into the top ten because of that just unique skill set. He is the Swiss Army knife. So athletic. He is. He's the most athletic quarterback that BYU probably will ever have.
1: Yeah. Um, to me, Taysom Hill's the greatest running back always maybe ever had, too. <laughs> like, he's a quarterback. I know, I kid. But, like, as a runner, I think it goes Luke. Like, Taysom Hill was bigger than Luke. Isn't that weird? And Luke runs, was a big dude. And
0: runs a 4-4. Yes. That is
1: Tays- ridiculous. Taysom Hill was was Luke Staley part two, you know. Unfortunately, both guys got injured and kind of Damn derailed man. their careers there. Um Really fun list, right? Yeah, Um, and guys uh, that were left off the list. Virgil Carter, Gary Shidey, Brandon Doman, Steve Sarkeesian. I don't really have Walsh into that convo. I go a little beyond that, and then maybe you get into the kind of Walsh, Federick Mm -hmm. guys, Mm -hmm. right? But, um, you know, Virgil, awesome. Gary, Sammy Baugh, Brandon Doman, the one great year. Again, all it takes is one great year. You don't have to be some tenured professor quarterback at BYU you just have to have the one great year. That yeah. was Zach Wilson. That was Steve Young. That was Mark Wilson. That was Brandon Doman. That was Sark.
0: And it's not like they had bad other years. Like, Steve Young had an okay junior year,
1: 8-4. But who cares? What did Alex Smith do in 3 Who cares? In 4 he's amazing. He's the number one pick, right?
0: right? They were 10-3. Uh, he beat but, BYU in Provo. We don't have nothing. to talk
1: about that. <laughs> but, like, okay, that's pretty good, right? That's two good years. You... What did Joe Burrow do in 2018? Who cares? Was, what, what did, did Kyler playing? Murray do in, the year before? Who cares? If you have one great year, re- you're remembered forever. You
0: are. You're, you're given the Brazilian soccer great. star treatment. Yeah. The one name. Zach.
1: Zach. Yes. Zach. Brazilian is star. In,
0: he's in the mix. He,
1: yes. We do that because of familiarity. That started with Lavelle, by the way. You can choose
0: either the first. I mean, does it have to be the first name, though? Because I think we say McMahon, Detmer, Bosco.
1: You, know, you can no. I'm just saying, if you only said first name, which is more common than last It'd name. It'd be okay. You know who I'm talking about. <laughs> if I'm just talking and I go, dude, Jim is one of the best players ever in BUA history. You know. But Jim? Jim Herman? <laughs> hey, and Jim Herman Jim was great in right. No, it's Jim McMahon. We love yes. those guys. But it's Jim McMahon, right? Yes. And that's why Jimmer Fredette's parents named him Jimmer. It's, they had an uncle named James, and they wanted to distinguish. So they called him Jimmer.
0: We, uh, we didn't shy away from this. It is always difficult, as Riley Nelson said, to rank all-time quarterbacks across different eras.
1: Can't wait to get texted about this. <laughs> really? Max is, Max is going to text me, I promise You're you. You're on the top You're ten list. This. I'm a sixth! Are you serious right now? 32 <laughs> wins, man!
2: Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. From the BYU football summer camps
0: is assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Ed, great to have you back on the show. How are you?
7: I'm well, thanks, guys. Camp's a fun time, so... Great to be out here with these young kids and seeing the game through their eyes.
0: No doubt about it, and I'm sure there's an added measure of excitement based on the fact that you didn't get to do this last year. So, what is the atmosphere around the camps coming off of the COVID pandemic and having to skip out a year?
7: Well, the attendance is really good, so I think the I think people missed it, and they're excited to get back out here. And it's you know it's nice not to have to worry about uh, mask measures and stuff like that out here. We can get in there and, and coach the guys up an intimate level and a close level and demonstrate whatever we need to demonstrate, make sure we're touching the same footballs and stuff like that. It's, you know, and and blocking dummies and things. It's just, it's really completely different than anything we pulled off a few months ago. So looking up that way.
1: Recruiting was certainly affected by the pandemic last year, Ed. Um, How have you guys seen that effect and what have, what have you had to do to try and offset some of the unique circumstances?
7: Yeah, there's that's that's a really good point there's uh, you know video is a really powerful tool but it's hard to confirm what we see on video without seeing a player in person even a confirmation of, of uh, height for example if, uh, if a player is 64 is and and on video you know he, you know, he self-reported six foot four and then on video it looks like he's the same height as everybody else on the field it's like I don't know if that's really believable but Um, You know, you can confirm that in in camp and with the ability to travel and go and see players face to face and uh, and and even more important things like attitude and disposition and and things like that. And so we've been able to get back to that. I think perhaps BYU has been maybe damaged by some of the travel restrictions less than some other schools. We do have. Have a certain percentage of our recruiting class every year who grow up BYU fans and they're on our radar and, and we're on theirs. And so I think we've been able to take advantage of that in some circumstances as well.
0: Ed Lamb with us on BYU Sports Nation, BYU football assistant coach. Let's stay with the recruiting theme. How much has have things changed or how has the atmosphere changed around recruiting based on what BYU football did last season? 11 and 1 finished number 11 in the final AP rankings and had really a remarkable season.
7: I think there's an excitement. I can feel that excitement. You know, it's not it, it, when we really get into the nuts and bolts of recruiting we we certainly don't go around saying, "Hey, check you know, sign with us." We want eleven games. Like that's that's just really not how it works. The the overall picture of of what a mature player and, and involved parents are looking for. I mean, they realize that uh, that wins and losses can ebb and flow from year to year for any program. So uh, you know, but I do think. I do think there's an initial excitement. I think the, you know, the belief in Kalani and the direction that he's taking things is there. We hear that. We hear that feedback. And, uh, you know,
1: I think that's tangible. It was certainly uh, an amazing year. And you guys took advantage of a situation, which was just awesome. While others sat on the sidelines, you guys got out on the field, right, and practiced and played. And, and Tom and the staff should be credited for everything you did. What from last year was sort of an outlier due to circumstance – and what was something that you're like, no, 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 this is who we are, we're going to build off this in the future?
7: I felt like that, uh, that, that certainly the momentum of the schedule and victories. You know, we the schedule, at least, you know, so far as you can predict the, the difficulty of a schedule, you know, our schedule difficulty did, did drop off last year. But I think that the confidence that grew within our team um was real and i think that uh, as the as the season progressed you saw a team that was playing at a level of competition regardless of who we were playing we were playing and executing at a high level and so i think that that feeling of that knowledge that experience is something that the players who left i think they leave a legacy now for the for the coaches and players to continue on with
0: Let's talk about some of those players that left, specifically the void that they leave behind and within your linebacking core, headlined by Isaiah Kafusi. What's the status of the BYU linebackers right now, having lost so many veterans on the defensive side of the ball?
7: I think the linebacker core is really solid, and that, that's not to minimize losing Isaiah. Isaiah was uh, uh, such a leader for us, but it really in, in almost the case of all of the players who won't be with us next year, uh, because they've, you know, moved on or ended their careers or, or whatever. You know, they, they do. They leave that legacy of leadership and, and, and concern and care and uh, leaving it all out there on the field. And so young guys step up. You know, I've, we've we've been around long enough where the questions used to be about, you know, well, how are you going to replace Harvey Longy And then it was well, how are you going to replace Fred Warner? And then well, how are you going to replace Chun Taktaki? And, you know, pretty soon it will be how are you going to replace Peyton Wilgar and Keenan Peely and Max Cooley and, and these guys. And and there's younger guys in the pipeline as well, and you'll know them their names better as they come back off of missions and do their thing.
1: Some of those guys, uh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, Ben Bywater coming off an injury, but a talented kid. Drew Jensen, obviously, Josh Wilson, Zach's younger brother. Pepe Tanuvasa had really bright spots in a couple of games. And then uh, a couple freshmen uh, yesterday or two days ago, Viliami Tausinga announced, and then Oliver Nas, uh, Nasilai, who uh, some of his film was like, you know, really violent, like he just smashes fools. Um, tell us about some of these newcomers who could play this year
7: yeah, you mentioned it. You mentioned some guys that have already kind of earned their stripes with, with Pepe and drew, and then the guys that we 're excited about Ben certainly has all the ability to do uh, you know to accomplish all of his goals and do everything we 'd like to ask of him. Oliver Nasilai and Viliami uh, Tausinga, those guys they they just they don 't flinch they run right through contact and uh, you, you know us like we 're we're not hung up on what a player played in high school, right. And, or what a coach has coached in the past. I mean, you guys are, maybe you're just starting with linebackers, but I should make sure and and give uh, coach Kevin Clune some credit. He's, he's taken over the linebackers and I'll be working more on the secondary now with the safeties. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's possible that some of these guys end up playing other positions as well. We we've, we've recruited athletes with contact courage and guys that really care about football and, and, uh, We'll work it out to get the best 11 players on the field as often as possible.
0: Ed Lamb on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about the safety position because naturally that is a question I know Jeremy and I want to know more about when you lose Troy Warner and Zane Anderson, not to mention Chris Wilcox, even though he's on the edge. like You have some more holes to fill back in the secondary as well. So how would you assess the current status of the safety position right now? Because from where we stand, it kind of feels like the biggest question mark.
7: Yeah, yeah, and, and and another good question. It probably sometimes, uh, see, I feel like I'm being ev- evasive, but, uh, you know, <laughs> Troy Warner was a corner. Troy Warner was a corner, and Zane Anderson was a linebacker, and, and in these types of shows in the past years, we've talked about them in those contexts, and, and so we don't know who those who those next safeties will be. Some of the most experienced guys right now, Chaz you who moved from linebacker, Malik Moore, who moved from corner, Feel really good about what both of those guys did in the spring, but uh, you know, young guys like Hayden uh, Livingston, he's played quite a bit now in his career, and, and a little bit of ups and downs with injuries and in and out of the, the depth chart, up and down the depth chart. But really excited about him, Ammon Hanneman, Talent Alfrey's a the new guy, uh, Javel Brown stepped out of you know being a young player and all of a sudden in the spring elevated his game, and you'll see him on the field in at, somewhere in the defensive backfield, I think. So. Yeah, a lot of challenges there. And, and then, you know, looks like Micah Harper and George Udo might be kind of limited. And so we need some guys to step up. And, and, and uh, so much as in a, and as long as those
1: guys maybe are limited in their action early in the season. Good insight into that. And you mentioned the, you know, Kevin Kloon coming in with the linebackers. You're going to work with the safeties. Remind me, Preston Hadley goes to D line. Who, who is he working with? Yeah, yeah, Preston
7: Hadley's going to go to the defensive ends And uh, the D-line will, will still kind of Like a lot of the position groups They'll meet uh, somewhat together You know, with Coach Tuiaki probably taking the lead At least maybe early in camp And, uh, you know, Preston's learning that uh, position And how it fits in He's going to bring a lot of energy A lot of detail He's a really hard worker And everything that he brought to our secondary He'll now bring to our D-line And so I think he'll be a really nice compliment To Coach Tuiaki And those guys will work well together
1: Yesterday on Instagram, I noticed Preston Hadley went uh, boating with some members of the team. Blake Freeland, okay, they were holding onto the rope, but they weren't being pulled by the rope on a wakeboard. Blake Freeland can wakeboard just holding onto the rope as an O lineman. He's going to be a tackle, probably a starter. How athletic is Blake Freeland? Yeah, well,
7: you, you know this, but maybe maybe some people could use a reminder or just kind of some enlightenment. Blake Freeland was a quarterback in high school when <laughs> yeah. we offered him. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and and but I've known him since he was born, you know, since he was four years old. Uh, his his father, Jim, and I, are, are we go all the way back to high school, play high school ball together and then college ball. And, you know, mom was a two-sport All-American at BYU. Like, yeah, this guy's a legitimate athlete just because a guy is uh, – you know, is larger than a human being should be, that doesn't mean that he can't be a great athlete.
0: Coach, let's finish with this. Schematically speaking, how much will the BYU defense change, if at all, from last season to 2021?
7: That's certainly a game by game. You know, there there are two things that we have, and and it's a really good, I appreciate you asking the question because I often would like to explain this to, you know, to fans in greater detail and, try to do it sometimes at our coordinator show, but we have a playbook and that playbook is, is, you know, for every college football team, it's not much different than every, every team in America. At least the, the teams playing in the, in the NFL and college football, like there's not a coverage or a front or a blitz that that's being run out there that we don't have in our playbook that our players don't recognize. The game book is much smaller, you know, and, and game books are what comprise the season when you put together 11 or 12 or 13 game books. And um, and they're much more concise and and they have to do with more of our personnel for that year and uh, obviously the teams that we're playing. So it's a week to week. The answer to that question is certainly week to week. And I think that the the way that I can answer it is there will be change. There is always change. And, uh, you know, we we do our level best as coaches to to appropriate the best change we can.
0: Coach, we're always appreciative of your time. It's valuable. You give us great insight, have next-level football knowledge, of course, about uh, the BYU roster and those schemes. So thanks for the time. Enjoy camps. I look forward to seeing you wakeboard
2: at some time, and let's go play some golf. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. On BYU Radio. On BYU football.
0: The program is better than when Kalani Satake got there, for sure. It's not just Zach Wilson. The offensive line is more talented and better developed. This isn't the old dirty play BYU lines. Uh. The skill positions are solid. A little bit faster than in recent years we'd seen. The front seven is very good. The weakness is the secondary. You can hit them big there. There's going to be a regression for sure, but they don't have because they don't have Wilson. But even if they lose four games, they're still going in the right direction because you can see better development across the board. End quote.
1: That was that was nice of Rocky Long to weigh in. (laughs)
0: Okay, there's some things given away there. I always like trying to speculate on who who is the coach. Random San Diego State assistant. (laughs) (laughs) But. I mean, when I say a little bit faster than in recent years we'd seen, which means, okay, so this is obviously a team that has played BYU yeah. multiple times in recent years.
1: San Diego oh.
0: <laughs> Let's break it down line by line, Jerem. And uh, starting with this assertion that BYU football is better than when Kalani first took over. Do you agree with that statement?
1: Let's talk. So in gymnastics, I really like what they do. You know, the, the idea that you throw out the high and the low and you are what is left, right? Okay, so let's do that. Five years of Bronco Mendenhall and Independence. Mm-hmm. Five years of Kalani Satake. I think we have some good data here. All right. Let's go. Okay, so coming off 11-1, and one, it certainly feels like BYU is in a great place, but let's look at it. Um, okay, 2011 was the 2020 for Bronco hall. An easier schedule um, than what they would play. One 10 games felt good, right? Uh, but it wasn't like the other schedules. So let's throw out twenty twenty and twenty eleven as the highs. Let's throw out twenty seventeen as the obvious low for Kalani. And then it's hard to, in the other four years with Bronco Mendon, I'll just say what was the low. I'll just say twenty fourteen beers ranked nineteenth, and finishes and four and and then finishes eight and five. I'll just say that was the low, even though it's not actually low. It's just probably the worst one of those. Throw out one of the eight and five. Yeah, one of the eight and fives. So the, the other years, 12, 13, 15, BYU goes 25 and 14 against 17 power fives. Okay. okay? 2016, 18, 19, BYU goes 23 and 16, two games worse, against 15 power fives. Mm. Two fewer P5s. Okay. I don't know. I, I think what Bronco Mendenhall left BYU with was pretty good. Obviously, we're on the high end coming off of 11 and 1. But if 11 and 1 had happened five years ago, Obviously, we feel differently about it. I, I think it was in a pretty good spot when Bronco Menonhall left. That was an eight and a half win program. Right now, BYU is coming off an 11 and one season. But prior to that, uh, it was, you know, 7 and 6, 7 and 6. Um, so I'm not quite sure that's true.
0: Recency bias plays into this, obviously, because BYU was in the national spotlight last year in the college football playoff rankings for the first time in program history. They finished ranked for the first time in 11 years. So, yeah. That's going to impact this anonymous coach,
1: and it's an outlier season. It's not a regular season. But I'm glad no you brought finals. it up. Yeah.
0: However, Kalani Satake did go nine and four in his first season.
1: So it was nice to have Taysom Hill and, and Jamal, Jamal Williams.
0: Williams. Right? There's there is some great. and Kai Nakua and yeah. a bunch of NFL uh, guys yeah. for that matter. Yeah, yeah. So uh, again, yeah, this is recency bias in this quote. They're oh, they're better now for sure. Them when Kalani first took over. Well, yeah, if you compare. The well, seasons, what if, because he just had his best season.
1: What if 2016 hadn't played any Power Fives?
0: Then maybe they go 11-2. and two.
1: Right? like That was, that was an outlier. What if 2016
0: had the Robert and I offense, and Bronco Mendenhall is still here?
1: Yeah. What if, what if uh, Ty Detmer is not so conservative with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams? What if we're not play action passing six yards down the field?
0: I love and hate the what-if game with that season specifically yeah. so much.
1: Yeah. Ugh. We had an NFL battery, and we're just like, with Tijon Caroma even, right? It's pretty good. Yes.
0: Now, if we're just comparing Kalani seasons and looking at the five that he's had, obviously he's coming off the best season yeah. that he had 11 and one. But I do feel like BYU is in a better position in terms of overall depth. And at the look at the end of the quote, you can see better development across the board. I feel like BYU is moving the right direction as it pertains to that statement. And uh, that takes us to the second part of this quote, Jerem. The offensive line is more talented and better developed. There's that word again. Do you agree with that?
1: Uh, Yeah. First-team All-American, third-round pick, first NFL draft picks, and so five. Brady Christensen by himself validates that sentence, let alone Tristan Hodge and Chandon Herring on free agent deals at the moment. And uh, we think, you know, maybe other guys down the line. In in three years we'll go, how many O-linemen from the 2020 season – Made it to the NFL.
0: Remind me, who was it last week that said BYU has at least two more NFL draft picks? On those Hans, Hans Olsen. Olsen, it was Hans, yeah, who speaks from a position of
1: he said some there's authority.
0: Three more, okay, it's the three more, yeah. So he's got Freeland, James, James Empey, Empey, and he thought maybe and, Clark Barrington, and okay. So
1: three more Pretty offensive good.
0: linemen gonna get drafted into the NFL at some point.
1: First team, all we think.
0: Yes, we're in agreement. The offensive line is more talented. Yeah. And better developed. Yeah. Which is a very encouraging sign for byu football.
1: That's how you succeed as a team. It's in the lines. Okay. It's not, skill positions matter, but I would rather be average at the skill positions, but great on the interior. Let's
0: talk about the skill yeah. positions. In the quote, skill positions are solid and a little bit
1: faster. I'm not sure what solid means here per se, but uh, <clears throat> a little bit faster, kind of hard to quantify, but.
0: Well, Chris Jackson is really fast.
1: Fast doesn't do any good if you don't catch the ball. Um, yeah, sure. BYU's faster. Whatever. <laughs> this one's harder to quantify. <laughs> Next.
0: <laughs> solid. Yeah, I would say that that's almost an undersell. I, I feel like the receivers specifically are better than solid. I think they're really good with Gunnar Romney and the Nakua brothers. And, I mean, you're throwing up. We're talking just all word pass catchers. Don't
1: say the E-word. Hey,
0: <laughs> not there yet. But I do think at some point BYU will have the E-word involved in a receiver or two in the upcoming years.
1: Uh, I do not, but uh, BYU wasn't built on elite receivers. BYU is built on good to very good receivers. Okay. That's, that's what like, does Dax Milne qualify as? The, Dax Milne is the epitome of BYU receiver. He really is. The guy that when you look at him, you don't take seriously. Really? Then when he plays, he's awesome. BYU receivers typically don't win the pregame, but they win the game yes. Okay. Do you instances, think Andy yes. Boyce and Eric Drage won the pregame? No, but Dax, Dax Miller, have you seen game- Dax?
0: Dax is 6'3 and he's a physical specimen. He's way bigger than Andy Boyce and Eric Drage.
1: He does not were. get a second look in a power five league. The point is Really? That you're, you're getting caught up on the wrong thing here. The point is that he performed well. How you look, who cares? You know who looks better? San Diego State and UNLVS receivers. But they don't do jack squat, <laughs> right? The point is that you execute and you play well, and BYU receivers typically have done exactly that.
0: Okay. I just I just think it's unfair to compare Dax Mound to Eric Drage and Andy Boyce. That's all I'm saying. He's just a different player. He, he looks different than those guys. But I, I understand your overall point. Yeah, like, who—, who Thou- Thousand yard guys is my point. I mean— even Austin Collie is, is he a guy? Austin
1: looked he looked apart. Okay. See, yeah. and I, I feel like but Dax Austin is, is getting the there. greatest receiver Buoy okay. he's ever had. That's okay. he's way over here. Yeah. Skill
0: positions. What about the running backs? Tyler Algier, Lopini Katoa. They look pretty good. I think that I think that Tyler Algier is better than just a solid running back. I think he's a really good running back. So, I agree to somewhat feel like it's yeah i deserve I'm, more than that at the skill position
1: i'm excited to see tyler against this schedule because uh he was incredible last year like incredible against whoever right but now it's going to be a different challenge and uh, tyler's toughest game came against houston that presented a power five-esque sort of athletic competition right okay so i'm, I'm excited to see that
0: on to the defensive side of the ball Quote, the front seven is very good. Secondary is the weakness. You can hit them big
1: there. I'm wondering uh, what this is referring to. This year's team, where BYU lost Troy Warner and uh, Zane Anderson, or is it the previous year? Because I look at last year, okay, okay if I tell you BYU's ranks nationally and 20— Does BYU have a
0: bad secondary?
1: 20-plus allowed, 30-plus allowed, and 40-plus allowed. Would that make the point? Fifty 20th, and 29th, and so— in uh, plays of 20-plus, plus. That would qualify
0: as solid.
1: That's good. 20 and top 30 and 30-plus 30 and 40-plus. Let's go back to 2019 when BYU had a normal regular schedule. 33rd and 20-plus allowed. 75th and 30-plus, okay. 55th and 40-plus, you're in the top half. I wouldn't say that was a weakness. Okay. No. If you're looking at this year and you're going, hey, maybe on the back end against those safeties... We don't. We don't know what BYU is going to present. Certainly, BYU—that's a massive question mark for me. In fact, maybe the biggest one besides quarterback is, which is Jaron Hall. Which is, yeah. What's BYU going to put out there on the back end?
0: Who had the best game through the air against BYU in
2: 2020? Was it Houston? That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio.